Good morning, Jess. Good morning, Zuthi. How are you today? It's, it's a morning. We're having a distracted morning. <laughs> I know uh, nobody here was privy to the hour-ish long conversation that came before this, but we're having a distracted morning. It's taken us a little bit to get going today. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> it is. It's fall. The weather is nice and crisp and cold. I'm talking about the weather again. Yes. Speaking of the weather, did you see that it's going to be 80 degrees again next week? What? Yep. It's going to no. be 80 degrees next Bad. week. Bad. I was about to put all my kids' shorts away. And then I checked the weather. I was about to put my own shorts away and actually held off because I was like, with my luck, three days after I put them away, I will want them. Yes. Yep. Which is not surprising. I feel like it doesn't actually stay cold until like mid-October, late October. But it was chilly enough today that I put on a jacket and I was pretty stoked about that. I put on a sweatshirt. It's good times. This is my favorite weather. Mm -hmm. But now that we are... Heading in full swing to spooky season. I believe this episode's coming out like the third week of October. So we're like well into spooky season by the time everybody is listening to this. I thought that I would take a page from your book with some folklore. My book. Yes, with the Black Eyed Children, how we started the season. Yeah. And we would talk about another kind of modern internet folklore sensation that is Slender Man for yes. this episode of Myth Macabre today. I love Slender Man. So I have always been really intrigued by Slender Man. I think for me, Slender Man came about into popularity on the internet around what I call like my, my internet dark ages. Like there was this <laughs> time after college where my college laptop had died and I was poor and had a lot of student loans. So I just like didn't buy a new computer and just did everything like on my phone. That's fair. And I think Slender Man really like boomed during this time. (laughs) And I just was like not around to see it. So I was pretty excited to jump into it and do some research on it. I wasn't like a part of the Slender Man thing when it was first coming out. But with all those, you know movies and slender man murders and things like that you kind of jumped in like ooh, that's fun it is intriguing and i'm gonna touch on a lot of that i mean no murder is not fun and honestly the the stabbing that was attributed to slender man issues was really kind of tragic honestly yes and we will talk about that in today's episode i didn't know if we were going there yeah so when i sat down to start doing some research i was thinking this was going to be mostly about this creepy internet-based folklore Mm -hmm. and it is that's still what we're going to be talking about but I think the research kind of took me down this rabbit hole that has to do with the dawning of internet folklore and the evolution of folklore and the real life things that happened because of Slenderman and I think ultimately there's not a ton to Slenderman himself Mm -hmm. as like a piece of folklore but there's like so much other stuff that has happened because of it and it has had this influence on modern day storytelling and folklore as well as these real life tragedies that it could you couldn't research Slenderman without kind of jumping into these other things that makes sense so folklore and new age folklore is a humongous topic so we're not going to get like super into that during today's episode but I will touch on some of the highlights of that while we talk about Slender Man and the impact that it had on life outside the internet but I think ultimately there is a really large fascinating conversation to have about where folklore is going and because we live in a world of 
internet connection where we're kind of connected to people all over the world and kind of everybody is connected, but also everything is kind of traceable and trackable and you can kind of go back and find origins of things. Mm-hmm. I think it it really plays a big part in how storytelling moves forward. No, that makes sense because it's not like, you know, Beowulf that was told around like a campfire until someone finally wrote it down and it just happened to not get destroyed. (laughs) And it's one of those where it's, it's not like a lady in white where it's like, well, my friend's cousin's brother's friend told me he saw it. Like it really has taken on a new interesting spin, but all in good time. (laughs) We will get there. (laughs) So to begin, Unlike most traditional folklore and legends, the origins of Slenderman is really well documented. Mm-hmm. The, like to, down to the date, people know when it came about. Right. And like I said, it's unlike the woman in white or any other kind of traditional folklores where people don't know where it came from. This isn't the case. So back in the heyday of internet forums, which is to say around Y2K, <laughs> late 1990s, early 2000s, a website called Something Awful, which it says that it's like a comedy website. And as far as I can tell, it's kind of something down the same vein as like cracked.com, where there's like articles and forums or like back when like I can has cheeseburger was like a thing. Like, I think it's that kind of. I can has cheeseburger will always be a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think it kind of was back in that same kind of vein, kind of almost like an early predecessor to something like Reddit. Mm -hmm. And there was a forum that ran a Photoshop contest for paranormal images. So at that time, site user Eric Knudsen, who goes under the username Victor Surge, contributed two images. Both of them were black and white that included groups of children with an ominous, spindly creature in a black suit behind them. Creepy. Totally creepy. <laughs> and pretty well photoshopped. They're pretty They're pretty cool. I will make sure that we have a link to them. Yes. And his spooky creature was said to be influenced by H.P. Lovecraft, Stephen King, specifically his short stories, the surreal imaginings of William S. Burroughs, and a couple of horror survival horror games like Silent Hill and Resident Evil. I can see that. You know what else it kind of reminds me of, which is like I'm sure not anywhere close to. Oh my gosh, I'm where so it excited. came from. Yes, Salad Fingers. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Okay, you need to look it up. Do it, I? not necessarily right now. Okay, but like, <laughs> I don't know why, but. Now I need your opinion on it. So okay, we're done with this, I will look, look it, it up, up afterward. But I don't know why. It's just it gives off salad finger vibes. Okay. Good to know, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but so it kind of, I don't know if this was an influence as well. When you kind of see it, it kind of becomes really obvious, like how H.P. Lovecraft and Stephen King kind of influenced it. I guess there's like a monster in Buffy, the vampire slayer, that's kind of similar. Mm -hmm. It reminded me of a monster in an episode of Doctor Who that kind of is also kind of faceless and in a suit. Mm -hmm. I think that came after this. But it's not really like a super original premise for a creepy thing. But I think what kind of... You know, faceless, anonymous. Exactly. I would say androgynous, ominous. but it's not really. I mean, it doesn't have a face, so I guess it's hard to tell. But That's it's kind fair. of this ominous being. 
And I think what kind of gave Eric Knudsen the edge was that he went a step further and gave both of the pictures creepy captions. Mm -hmm. The first one was captioned, we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But it's persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. And he dated that one, 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. And then the second one he captioned, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. And that one he dated, 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13, 1986. I mean, that's pretty creative for I thought like so a Photoshop too. Contest. Yeah. And I was like, I think it kind of is the epitome of you took something creepy, you gave it a story. How could it not be something that people are mm-hmm. intrigued by? So in that moment, on June 8th, 2009, the internet sensation that is known as Slenderman was born. So now, before you ask, I have no idea if he actually won the Photoshop contest. (laughs) Could not find that information. But I think that the fact that this went what you would consider viral for the time is kind of a win in itself. Yeah. I think as things spun out of control, maybe less of a win, but (laughs) definitely the creation of a predominant folklore-ish creature in pop culture. Yeah. No, I mean, that's pretty cool because then, like, he got to see how it evolved. And I'm assuming he got to be a part of it because it's, like, this photoshopped Exactly. And I think it is kind of interesting how it didn't take long for people to kind of snowball with it and kind of create... Mm -hmm entire mythos behind it which is cool because the next thing I talked about I was trying to find if there was some kind of like definitive description of Slender Man and while I'm about to do a throwback and if you're not old and listening to this you're going to be like what is Yahoo Answers but (laughs) I found a link where somebody had cited a Yahoo Answers post from 2011 where someone described Slenderman and I thought it was a pretty accurate description of the way people depict him and kind of nice and spooky so I figured I would share it with you. I could not find the Yahoo's answer username, so I don't know exactly who to attribute this to. But they said, quote, the Slender Man is a supernatural creature that is described as appearing as a normal human being, but he is described as being eight feet tall and has vectors or extra appendages that are described to be as sharp as swords. The creature is known to stalk humans and cause many disappearances. He is described as a shadow creature that has a missing face. The creature fits into many mythologies and legends from nations such as Germany and Celts, which brings up the possibility that he could be real. A man named Victor Serge found this legend and made his own version of it, which he called Slender Man. The Slender Man is not exactly evil, according to mythology, but Victor Serge's version shows him as an evil creature that stalks humans to kill. In mythology, he was actually trying to save you from the painful death by taking you to the underworld early. 
that's the end of the quote. I should mention Victor Surge was Eric Knudsen's username. Right. I can't remember if I already mentioned that. You did. So this person is saying that it has like older roots in Germany and Celt. Correct. <laughs> so he's saying that it goes like way back in time. And Knudsen or Victor Surge, whatever we want to call him, had just kind of found out about this story and created it. And just ran with it. Which is kind of cool because that adds to the folklore quality of Slenderman. So one of like the cornerstones of folklore is the idea that it can be believable. Mm -hmm. That even if, even if like you kind of know it's not real, when you hear stories like Lady in White or like the Bloody Mary urban urban legend Mm -hmm. and things like that, there's this kind of, well, it's got to be real because my friend of a friend's cousin's second's brother's stepfather knew about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's this kind of element of like, but it's believable. And so I think that this person's answer was kind of not only interesting in that it kind of detailed what he looked like, but it also kind of added to this folklore, which I thought was really kind of neat. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shows, this is a pretty good example of how kind of once this was put into the world, the idea of Slenderman starts to snowball. People begin adding their own details to the story. They start elaborating on different details. And before long, there are people creating fan art. There are people cosplaying (laughs) Slenderman at different conventions. And he's always as this faceless man in a black suit. Sometimes he has extra long arms. Sometimes he has like tentacly looking arms. Mm -hmm. But all of these kind of versions are starting to emerge. And there's like they start to talk about how like different versions will start talking about how he causes people to have amnesia or bouts of paranoia and he's depicted in the woods and sometimes he is working through children as proxies to kind of take other children with him like i mean if i saw like a tall creepy faceless humanoid in a suit i would probably be paranoid (laughs) so right i i just like to me i think it's so cool how like it started with a picture and then all of a sudden they're like campfire stories about it they have all these different things that were never oh i just hit my microphone wasn't there like a creepypasta there is yeah actually we're we're getting there there. (laughs) yeah this is all connected i was like is that the slender man thing or was creepypasta something no so creepypasta in general is basically like a digital campfire story website like it's all kinds of short creepy stories and as this like kind of canonical legend of slender man came about it ended up on creepypasta as like a story I Which, was never like into creepy pasta, like when creepy pasta was a thing. Is it still a thing? I don't, I don't know. know if it's still a thing. I did go to the Slenderman creepy pasta site mm-hmm. because I was curious, but I didn't really poke around the rest of the site to see if it was something that was being updated or okay. anything. I do think with the popularity that Reddit has had in the last like five to ten years. And Reddit has like a subcategory called Don't Sleep, which is all campfire stories too. Yeah. I think that things like creepypasta have kind of not necessarily fallen by the wayside, but have become less popular because something like Reddit has a bunch of other stuff on that site too. Mm-hmm. So there's just like more audience. Yeah. So like everything's kind of migrated to things that have subreddits. yeah more have like have more viewership to them. But I did read the creepypasta for Slender Man and. 
at least the one that was linked to me through some of the research, maybe there are other Slender Man ones, is so different than the other ones, too. Like, I was going to read it. I didn't want to make our episode too, too long. It's not overly long. So we can link it in the show notes and you can check it out. But, like, that story, in my opinion, didn't really touch on much of the lore either. Like, no. it, so I, there's got to be, like, other versions of it out there. Maybe there are other creepypasta versions. I kind of just clicked on one that my research brought me to. And like I said, I didn't really like click around, but fascinating. Like the whole phenomena of this story taking off is just like so cool to me. So from there, it wasn't long before another user on the Something Awful website created a found footage style feature length film on YouTube called Marble Hornets that had like an accompanying Twitter feed to the story and another YouTube account. And it really had like, it completely reminded me of like the Blair Witch Project Mm -hmm. where like, they were like, oh, these teens went missing. And then they told the actors like not to be doing things in public until the movie came out so that it really would seem like they actually were missing. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like a whole performance art project, which completely fascinated by. Like, I think to me, more than the tragedies that surround the stuff with Slenderman and more than Slenderman himself, just the way this evolved is like so fascinating to me. So is it like a feature length thing on YouTube? Was it broken up into like segments or was it just like a one long YouTube? I don't know. I, I did not click on it and go searching for it for what it's worth. I probably should have. It was one of those where Sometimes when I, I don't know if you run into this when you're like researching episodes, but I sometimes don't like want to watch movies based off of the things that I'm talking about. Yeah, because it'll like distort your perception. Yeah, and kind of put something in my head that maybe wouldn't have been there otherwise. That makes sense. So I didn't watch it, but it was one of those where I think they said like by 2013 and it had like millions of views, like tons of people watched Mm -hmm. this YouTube video. And then from there, other YouTube videos started coming about. Slenderman became adapted into a video game called Slender the Eight Pages, which that game was downloaded over two million times in the first month when it came out. Like this was obviously a humongous thing Mm -hmm. when it existed. And of course, 2012 was like smack in my... I have no actual (laughs) access to the internet, so I missed it. But that video game garnered a sequel. There's all kinds of variants of that sequel. Different Kickstarters were started for independent films for it. Like, in 2012 and 2013, Slender Man was just like... I think it had its same flash in the pan as, like, Five Nights at Freddy's, where Mm -hmm. it just, like, was huge. And eventually, I'll kind of touch on it a little bit. I mean, there's not a whole lot to touch on. This happened kind of after tragedies, though. In 2018, they did make a PG-13 feature film about Slenderman starring Joey King, which she's been in like a whole bunch of stuff. I don't... I feel like I'd know her if I saw her face. She's got a very distinct face. I think you would. She was in like The Kissing Booth on Netflix, and she was in... There was like a horror movie where she was sick. She, she kind of bounces around. She does some stuff. Mm-hmm. And that movie takes place in Massachusetts, which I was like, ooh, maybe ooh. I'll watch it. And then it had like a three point something out of 10 rating. And I was like, mm, maybe I won't. <laughs> it was a bit of a flop. I think by the time that movie came out, all of the things with the stabbings had happened. And I think people were like, 
maybe this, this is maybe is too poor much. taste. Yeah. And like people were kind of trying to move and, and we can kind of talk about it a bit when we talk about folklore, because I, I made a comment of it there as well, where like after the tragedy around Slenderman happened, the lore of Slenderman kind of took a left turn too mm-hmm. and kind of evolved into something different as well and kind of moved away from Slenderman killing children. So I think by the time the movie came out, it was like, we don't do this with Slenderman anymore kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, because the movie was kind of like that route of... Exactly. Yeah, if I didn't watch it, but I wanted to. And then I just, I never did. Yeah, because it's one of those, happens. I think, had I watched it when it first came out and I was like, ooh, that looks interesting. I, wa- I want to watch that. I might have watched it and maybe kind of enjoyed it. Who knows? At this point in my life, I'm just like too busy and I'm like, I don't have like two hours to spend watching a movie that's not good. <laughs> Fair. I mean, I do watch movies that aren't good, but I usually go into them blind. I don't go into them knowing they're not good. So I was going to say, you can put it on this year's October watch list. We actually already made this year's October oh, watch okay. list. It's horror around the world. And if anybody wants to hear more, you can follow me on Instagram because <laughs> I will be talking about it. Watched 71 trailers this last Saturday and picked 25 movies. That sounds so fun. We, we make it a national holiday at our house. It's like trailer day and we like make game day snacks and popcorn. And we spent four hours watching movie trailers. It was awesome. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, I wish me and my husband had time to do things like that. It was honestly, we had such a busy summer that like having a weekend with nothing to do. We're like, we're doing it. <laughs> And we had so much fun. Lots of good movies. I will uh, keep you guys updated on what we watch. I can't wait to hear about them. But yeah, so because I have all these other movies I'm watching, I don't have time to watch a bad PG-13 movie. But (laughs) I think by the time it kind of became a thing, Slender Man as a creepy internet tale had kind of taken a turn from what it was. And that was kind of my segue into the real life tragedy that was the 2014 stabbings. There were some other tragedies and I kind of mentioned them briefly, but there's not a ton of information on the rest of them. So on Tuesday, June 3rd, 2014, the Sheboygan Press's front page read, 12-year-old Wisconsin girls charged in stabbing. Random side note. Sure. It was almost like five years to the day of that. That's true. It, yeah, it kind of was, I actually. didn't realize that. Yeah, actually, I had not realized that. <laughs> I had not realized that either until you pointed it out. But yes, pretty, pretty close. So Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyers, I think is how you say it, were both 12 years old at the time living in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and they were charged with first degree attempted homicide after stabbing one of their friends, if you could call them friends at that point. Quote unquote friends. Uh, yeah, classmate, after a sleepover on Saturday morning. And this wasn't like a blood oath gone wrong, like one wound that bled kind of thing. They stabbed the victim, Peyton Luter, 19 times. I feel like that for like a 12 year old is a lot. It's like, yeah. What are you so mad about? You're 12. Yeah. 
One of her stab wounds came within a single millimeter of missing a major artery near her heart. So these girls claimed that they were planning to kill this friend since December. So this is like a six month, six month long premeditated thing in hopes that Slenderman would accept them and let him live in his mansion in the forest, which I don't know when that part got into Slenderman lore, but evidently was. They claimed that they found the story on creepypasta.com, which is a website conglomerate of spooky short stories and fiction. And one, that was one girl. And the other girl said that she sees Slenderman in her dreams and he watches her and can read her mind. Girlfriend, that's a nightmare. I mean, the whole thing sounds like a nightmare for what it's worth, but yes. The news article went on to say that the girls had originally been planning to murder the girl in her sleep the night before, but uh, so that they did not have to look in her eyes. But after putting it off, they decided to perform the act while playing hide and seek in the woods the following morning. And one of the girls was quoted by the newspaper as telling the other one to just go crazy as they were assaulting this young girl. Sad. They're all like little babies. That's, oh my, to me, that's the most heartbreaking thing about this whole thing. You see their mugshot and they are children. Like, the children. Babies. They're 12. Like, I can't even like wrap my head around it. I'm like, what were we doing when we were 12? Not. I was trying to figure out what grade we were in when we were 12. Because I was like. 7th, 7th, 8th grade. Yeah, I know what we were doing. We were sitting around your computer on AIM. Mm-hmm. Uh, laughing at people that we were talking to that you went to school with Mm -hmm. and writing our horror novel elevator up. While listening to... Probably Was it the Marshall Mathers LP? Oh, it was. It was. Yeah. So needless to say, um, we were not the least creepy children (laughs) at that age either. But the fact that, like, they went so far as assaulting one of their supposed friends is, like, really tragic like, to me. I've always been into, like, strange and macabre things, but I don't think I've ever... I've never wanted to hurt somebody. No. I wanted to write ghost stories and, yeah. like... I wanted to scare people. Yeah, but I didn't want to hurt anybody. It really is, like, kind of heartbreaking to me. Even more heartbreaking, in my opinion, is that they stabbed this girl 19 times... They left her for dead in the woods and she crawled to the road. And that was how she was found was like somebody found her on the side of the road. I should put it out there. She made a full recovery. She's all right to kind of keep a silver lining on this. She, She is still alive to this day. She is all right. After about almost a week in the hospital, she was able to recover from her attack. So that's the plus side of something this tragic happening. Mm hmm. So Weir and Geyer were both charged as adults due to the nature of their crime, which is also kind of crazy to me. I feel like you hear about 16 and 17 year olds getting charged as adults. Yeah, there's like a fine line there for me where it's like you're 12, you know the difference between right right and wrong, but like also you're 12, your brain is still developing. Like you are still literally a child. You're still a child. So like, you're probably not even like old enough to be left home alone. Like, yeah. That that's like a weird line that I'm not really sure what side of that I fall on. I felt kind of similarly. I think not only because of how brutal the attack was, but I think the fact that they had been like premeditating it for Mm -hmm. months really kind of put them in a position where they were charged as adults. 
They were also both found not guilty by mental disease or defect, which is kind of how they word the the insanity plea at this point. Yes. Both girls were committed to mental institutions. Weir was sentenced to 25 years to life. She got out after seven in 2021 and is now under supervision for the remaining 18 years of her sentence. And Geyer was sentenced to 40 years to life. And from what I understand, the difference between the sentences, so one of them, Geyer was charged with a class A felony and Weir was charged with a class B felony. And I think the difference between them had to do with the fact that Weir showed remorse and felt guilty about what they did. Mm -hmm. And Geyer was documented as showing no empathy whatsoever. That makes sense. Regarding Geyer, I also think from what I was reading, there's been some speculation about her mental health, including the fact that after this happened, she was diagnosed with early onset childhood schizophrenia, which seems to run in her family. From what I can find, her father also had a schizophrenia diagnosis. And they said that after being medicated for that, she did start to show remorse. Which to me, like, just adds another layer of heartbreak onto this already heartbreaking story where, like, this girl just needed some help. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like, this manifested in a terrible way. But I didn't know it was wrong. She might have. Like, it said that it does, however, seem that her battle with mental health issues have been ongoing since she's been incarcerated. And they have reported at times her experiencing things like hallucinations pretending to be animals, talking to herself. Is she the one that was having the, the dreams I th- too? Well, so in the article, because it had just happened and everybody involved were minors, they mm-hmm. weren't mentioning names. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that was her, but that wouldn't surprise me. No, because that would make, if she's like hallucinating things, like, like maybe it's carrying over. Into- yeah, it sounds like she just was kind of a troubled youth that really needed some mm-hmm. solid mental health care. Yeah. And to the point where the first time she was supposed to be on trial, she was deemed incompetent to stand through a trial. Like they Mm -hmm. had to get her medicated and get her better before they could even have a trial for her. Yeah, they had to get her in a place where she could understand what was going on. Yeah, so I think... I think this is just like tragedy upon tragedy upon tragedy, but really like we have like children whose healthcare is being failed and like it just a shame all around. Yeah. And so in 2019 on an episode of 2020, Lutner, who was the victim, stated that she was sure that the scars of the incident would fade eventually and that if she ever got a chance to speak to Geyer again, she would thank her for inspiring her to pursue a career in medicine. I mean, to me, my first thought when reading that was like she has obviously been through years of therapy because yes. to come to a place where you're like that level-headed about something really traumatic that happened to you like Mm -hmm. holy cow strength of personality like but also it's not something I would say probably even after therapy (laughs) right but it sounds like the the silver lining to this whole thing is that she is all right now Mm -hmm. I read one article that said she moved away from the town she's living her life privately she's in college doing her own thing yeah so for as terrible as the situation was, thankfully, nobody died. 
And so perhaps entirely unsurprising, this situation, along with others, I saw one report of a Florida girl setting her home on fire and another one of an Ohio teen attacking their mother, both of which have kind of very loosely been linked to the children having an interest in Slenderman. Things like when they went to investigate, they saw that the kids had been on websites that had stuff about Slenderman. They weren't tied so closely as like Slenderman told me to do it kind mm-hmm. of things, but they kind mm-hmm. of link them to Slenderman. So like if I'm Googling, I don't know, the Loveland Frogman, and then my house goes up in flames, are they going to attribute my house fire to Frogman? Well, probably not because you're an adult. They would be like, <laughs> is she trying to skim the insurance company? I mean, probably. Or murder her husband. But like, I just feel like, you know, having something in their search history isn't... It's not like a... That's kind of why I didn't want to go into detail about them because it sounds kind of coincidental. Yeah. But either way, it kind of created a panic with all these debates about the influence of the internet on children mm-hmm. and the arguments for kind of both sides of the situation. Some people said the internet is this terrible place that's exposing children to all kinds of things that are beyond their maturity and understanding, which is probably true. Probably. And there were other arguments that were like, the tale of Slender Man is no different than tales about vampires or werewolves. And like, you don't see kids going out and like biting each other. And I do- mean, is it really that different from like a fairy tale? Like Hansel and Gretel? Exactly. And so, I I mean, for me personally, as a childless adult, I feel like I understand both sides of the argument. I don't have an emotional bias toward one side or the other. But I think it is kind of an interesting look kind of under the microscope of people believing things they see on the internet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that children are just impressionable anyway we know that like that's their brain like you said their brains are not completely developed so i think there's more of an argument about parents needing to be more aware of what their children are doing on the internet yeah i was gonna say as as an adult with children i don't necessarily think it's a problem with the internet it's a problem with parental controls not being used sure and like and i mean i know that things can slip through parental controls because like even youtube kids has things that like kids shouldn't be watching yeah but i mean it's not as bad as some other things well and to me it's just one of those things where like it is just a story and yes kids do not have the wherewithal to kind of think i should check to see where this came from Mm -hmm. Like, you, you can't expect a child to be fact-checking the things they see on the internet. But I do understand the arguments where they're like, is this any different than, a, than any other folklore? Right. It's just a story. I don't know where I fall on it. I, like I said, I don't have children, so I don't have this, like, bias toward protect the children. I mean, I think we should protect children. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that out there. But I don't have, like, a, an emotional attachment to it in that way. But I do think the entirety of the situation has kind of shed an interesting light on internet-based folklore because I think it's kind of something we touched on a little bit when we talked about the black-eyed children and I think that that was kind of toward the beginning of internet folklore as yeah, like a it was thing like mid 90s and I know that there were reports of it as far back as the 50s 
But like it really came to be like a thing. It with the came internet. to be a thing with the Internet. And I, I found myself wondering in the same way that this other person on Yahoo Answers was like, oh, no, this was early Germanic folklore that this guy is just retelling. Could the black eyed children have been something similar? It's like, which I think we kind of like went into in the episode with like the hungry ghost. And yeah, like I'm like, there's and, and kind of the same way where Slenderman is really just another take on the boogeyman, really. Like yeah. he does have a lot of folklore qualities. And so it kind of, I don't know, the whole thing's fascinating to me. So the story of Slenderman in the same way that folklore evolves over time, also continued to evolve after these stabbings, where since then versions of the Slenderman tale kind of depict him as opposed to this like ominous foreboding figure as more of an anti-hero who stands up for people that have been bullied. I don't think I've heard that version of So there's a version of him where he walks around with this small, like bruised little girl and like either has her on his shoulders or is standing kind of protectively by her. And I think what it was, and there's a lot of speculation about it, is that this kind of change of pace for Slenderman was the work of Slenderman fans who would rather have him portrayed as a more benevolent, like the person that stands up for the bullies Mm -hmm. as someone who would continue to be blamed for this violence. Like I, I honestly think it was almost like a PR yeah. Like trying to fix the damage kind of thing. I mean, it's a little late for that. Agreed. And and kind of in a natural trajectory, especially where there was a tragedy of all this kind of all led to a decline in interest in Slenderman and the Slenderman legend. And by 2018, when the movie was released, it was almost destined to be a flop. I think by then people had moved on from Slenderman. Mm-hmm. People were like, this is kind of in poor taste. Some people complained that it was trying to capitalize on the 2014 tragedy, which I guess kind of debatable, but I get where they're coming from. Yeah. David Ehrlich from IndieWire stated, quote, Slenderman aspires to be for the YouTube era what the ring was for the last gasps of the VHS generation. He went on to state that the main difference was that, quote, the ring is good and Slenderman (laughs) is terrible. Which really sold me on not having to see this film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no thanks. Carly Veloci, Velocchi, I can't pronounce that last name, so I apologize, from The Verge called the movie, quote, a nail in the coffin of a dying fandom. And for what it's worth, it doesn't seem like she was far from accurate. Since both the stabbing and the flopping of the movie Tales about Slenderman have become, like, super rare. Like, at this point, it was, like, a thing that happened and isn't really... It's, like, non-existent. Yeah. And I wonder if some of that, too, had to do with the advent of, like, Reddit and the the R subreddit, No Sleep, Mm -hmm. and things like that, where people just kind of moved on to other creepy stories. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like the lifespan of, like, a legend now is shorter because of the internet and our access to... New stuff to verifying stuff. Yeah, I think it's kind of bound. It's it's like anything else that goes viral. It's kind of bound to have a shelf life, I think, at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think some people, but just with all the controversy, it's just like kind of poor taste to be like, ooh, Slenderman at this point. Like, (laughs) people have really been hurt by Slenderman. But I think for me, like I mentioned, 
kind of before and that I wasn't expecting when I sat down to start working on this episode was the modernization of folklore in society. I think as a society in 2023, 2023, however you want to say it, we still enjoy folklore. Like folk horror as a genre is possibly as big as it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And we have movies like The Witch and Midsommar and they become like instant classics because I do think there is this kind of innate desire for like storytelling Mm -hmm. and kind of tradition and things that are kind of based on folklore. But I think something that kind of is interesting to note is that a lot of this folk horror that people gravitate to is horror that's based in the past. Yeah, it's not anything. Like, like... even though the main character of Midsommar is like modern times, it's still based on these like old traditions. Mm -hmm. And the witch takes place like in colonial times. And like, you don't really see a lot of folk horror that everything about it is modern. It's always, even if it happens in modern times, it's about something that's been there for hundreds of years. Right. It's like an ancient tradition or something yeah. that's brought into it. It makes me think of The Ritual. I don't. I liked that movie way more than I should. I like that movie too. Like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I think something like Slender Man, on the other hand, has these cornerstones of folklore where, which I kind of did a little bit of research into folklore. I would have liked to have done more and I kind of ran out of time. But it has these cornerstones of folklore where the story was created as a collective. Like, yes, the one man started with the Photoshop picture, but like mm-hmm. the life of Slender Man was kind of a collective. Yeah. And it changes and morphs over time as another cornerstone. And the third corner it changes or morphs over time depending on who is telling the story and the third cornerstone of folklore is that there's a performative element to the storytelling so Mm -hmm. in this case there's like a whole bunch of photoshopped pictures and the youtube and the movie yeah Yeah. it's kind of taken on like a life of its own i'm no folklorist but i think it's an interesting juxtaposition that unlike traditional folklore it does have origins that can very be like very easily be traced. They know right when it started. Mm-hmm. They know who started it. And it's it's kind of in the same way that you can debunk like a crazy Facebook claim. It's just so easy to find everything you need about it. It's all right there. Mm-hmm. But still for this period of time, it still persisted as this piece of folklore and the people who were contributing to it weren't bothered by adding him into history in a way that made it seem so much bigger than it was. I think also because that time of the internet was like a different time. Like we know not to believe everything you see on the internet now, but I feel like there was less fact checking then. So it was like someone saw it and was maybe like, Ooh, I haven't heard that before. And like really believe that it was like an ancient folklore legend thing yeah i think there was a little bit of like gullibility toward things posted on the internet Mm -hmm. and it didn't help that like something i found i think it was maybe on the wikipedia page was like people taking old pieces of art and adding slender man into them (laughs) like one of them was like a cave painting that all of a sudden had a thing with like tentacles coming out of it and another one was like this like medieval wood carving that somebody had added like slender man into in ways that look natural to what mm-hmm. you're seeing and i was like okay this is like a really to me i regard it as kind of a really cool performance art project like it just was so cool and they, all these people just kind of got on board because they were interested in it mm-hmm. and I, I just i'm fascinated by it <laughs> and 
the part about them putting him in history really just I'm like oh my gosh how original and I think it's weird to me on the same note like kind of the other side of the coin too because like Slenderman's look is something that's been in horror tropes forever Mm -hmm. like the inability to have a face to have something faceless has been in horror for a long time like it's super uncanny valley and super like when you can't read something's emotions, it's kind of terrifying. Well, and, yeah, like, and like you can't identify it because like, yeah. it has no features. And like something standing in the background kind of looming in the shadows has always been around. So it's not like on the surface Slenderman was nothing groundbreaking. No. But the way it evolved was just completely like new for the time when it came about. And he's unsettling. I think the idea of him watching or depicting children like makes him even more unsettling. We kind mm-hmm. of talked about children being unsettling anyway, but I think <laughs> he kind of adds to that. And it really just kind of taps into these fears that people have and like being watched, an ominous figure, children in danger. Like mm-hmm. they're all just kind of, He's like the perfect storm of kind of normal horror things just all put together in yeah. a way that really makes him unique. Just throw them all in the cauldron and call it Slenderman. Yeah, I just, I, I'm fascinated by it. And uh, yeah, so the other thing I found kind of interesting, and it's kind of one of the reasons why you maybe almost can't call Slenderman folklore is that he's not public domain. He's private intellectual property. Like somebody yeah, he was a owns, Photoshop. Somebody owns Slenderman. Like yeah. it was like his Eric. It was Eric. Eric right? Nudson, yeah. Yes. And I, I don't know if he still owns the rights or if when he sold movie rights, he things sold kind of switch. But like someone owns him. <laughs> like and that doesn't happen with folklore. You know, nobody owns the woman in white. Nobody owns Bloody Mary. Like right. And so he's just, along with being this conglomerate of like crazy horror tropes, he's also just, you want to be able to be a folklore, but he's not really a folklore. He's just kind of this like, I think he wouldn't have worked, you couldn't have Slenderman today. No. And I'm not sure you could have had Slenderman before Slenderman existed. Like It was was like that perfect little Like the stars aligned, right? So yeah, ultimately... I'm kind of wrapping up, but ultimately, because <laughs> I'm rambling now, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but ultimately, my research on Splendor Man, I just called him Splendor Man. Splendor Man. Like, like he's an artificial sweetener. So ultimately, my research on Splendor Man didn't end up where I was expecting it to go. I didn't realize there was so little about him and so much about everything else around him. Mm-hmm. But I will say it sparked a new interest in modern folklore for me and what it might look like as we move forward through the digital age and kind of it has so many questions to me now like does new folklore hold the same mystique as historical folklore because it is traceable is it even really folklore is there something like slenderman is is something like slenderman going to be less impactful for adults because it does have a traceability factor but still become a phenomenon among children on the internet I don't think children should be on the internet. That phrase actually really squeaks me out. But, <laughs> like, there are children on the internet. So is it going to be something where adults are like, oh, that's definitely fake, but it kind of becomes sleepover stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are there ways... And it's like, 
you can tell a child something, but they're going to believe what they want to believe. Exactly. Regardless of what you say. So like you could literally show them like, this is the original picture. This is the date. This is who did it. And they would still be like, no, Slender Man lives in the woods in a mansion and he's real. And he's talking to me. Yeah. And like, are there other ways that folklore is going to morph or is folklore dead? Like I have so many new questions about folklore that I did not have going into researching this episode. That's not where I thought that was going to go. But I'm so intrigued. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think in my head, Slender Man was a bigger thing than it was. I think it was mostly just a flash in the pan. Mm. But I think the ramifications of Slender Man on folklore is such a big like discussion. Like I, I'm fascinated by it mm-hmm. and it was not where I thought this no. was going to go. <laughs> nope. Not at all. But yeah. Do you have any thoughts? What do you think? I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a lot when you look at it from the folklore angle in my it opinion. Is. Yeah. I didn't go that far in, into it with um, the black eyed children, like that part of it. I went into more of like the, where did it come from kind of yeah. thing. Well, this one, it was kind of hard because, like, where did it come from? A Photoshop contest. Exactly. Like, that was the answer. Yeah, like, that um, had to... It didn't have like... anything kind of before that. So I think it kind of made sense naturally to lean into mm-hmm. the other side of things. But the other side of things just generates so many questions that I don't think we'll have the answer to until no. time has kind of played through them. Yeah. That's so, yeah. That's, uh, that's Man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like folklore is, like, always going to be a thing. It just might not be the way that we remember it going forward <laughs> yeah i'm interested to see where it goes like to me now it's a thing on my radar to keep an eye out for mm-hmm. but yeah so that is my episode on slender man and modern day folklore well that was fun thank Thanks. you for sharing <laughs> you're welcome i i like that we got to see we did like two different stories on two different like folklore legends like creepy humanoid things but it, they were just so different yeah, I, like I agree. <laughs> I'm glad we did it. So I guess that is it for this week. And we'll be back next Tuesday with more spooky stories. Yay. Don't forget to follow us if you don't already on Instagram and Facebook and possibly X, Twitter, whatever yeah, we're calling it now. Yeah, we're going to see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We're not going to pay for it if we end up having to do that. <laughs> but we are on social media, so you should find us and follow us. Yeah, or you can send us an email of your spooky stories. Indeed. Mythamacabre at gmail.com. Yeah. Bye.